0: what if i told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck what if i told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams this is the right place right now podcast with travis fields and brandon johnson Today, we're taking the first imperfect action and discovering what makes us bloom. Liz Arklepane is a mother, an entrepreneur, an adventurer, and this week's guest. For several years, Liz organized and managed retreats for some of the world's largest companies. Getting to travel and experience some of the greatest destinations on the planet seemed sexy from the outside, but over time, the stress of the job got to her. It's not like we're curing disease, she said. And yet, I would break down crying at night from all the stress. Knowing that something had to change, Liz decided to pursue something more meaningful with her career. Something she could be proud of, and something that she could share with her daughter. Today, Liz shares her journey with us and how she managed to start a new business, become a new mother, and navigate a pandemic all at the same time. On a side note, I pronounced her name wrong. Names are important, so Liz, I'm sorry, and I hope you can forgive me, but thank you for being such an amazing guest and sharing your story with us. Please enjoy this episode with Bloom founder, Liz Arkelpain. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Right Place Right Now podcast, Liz Arkelpain. Did I say that right?
1: Arkelpain, close
0: enough. Arkelpain, close enough. (laughs) I know I was going to butcher it. So Liz, we were talking offline a little bit, and this is the part that we can just get right into the juicy. You had made a move from a career working for someone else to starting your own retreats and your business doing retreats. And then COVID happened like within a month. Can you share us a little bit about that journey? Just kind of where you were at, what you were excited about, and then kind of what were the next things that came undone for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I had actually been thinking about starting Bloom for, honestly, years. It had been something that, you know, had always been on my mind, maybe not necessarily that exact idea, but something along those lines. When I finally was ready to take the plunge and do it was about, uh, I want to say, I think it was like February 20th of last year that I sort of launched leading up to that was, um, I don't know how, how deep you want me to get into it right now, but it took a lot for me to get to that point. And then of course, maybe two weeks later was when everything happened with COVID. So it was just an unfortunate circumstance, unfortunate time to launch, really kind of took the wind out of my sails because I was you know, super pumped to finally have taken that step. And then I think we didn't even know in the very beginning, of course, what was going to happen. So I thought in the first, you know, month or two, okay, postpone everything, you know, at the beginning of the year, and maybe we can do something towards the end of the year. But as it is, I've, I've launched, but have yet to really, uh, run any trips considering what's going on.
0: Let's go back to kind of the genesis of this. What is your background? You did have some time in travel, but was that always kind of what you did for a living or was there a time before that where you really thought you were going down a different path?
1: You know, I, um, the travel thing, first of all, I always knew I wanted to get into events. Um, I grew up in a household with very social parents. My family was always entertaining, whether it was something for my dad's job or just them entertaining friends. I just was a really lively household. I also come from a really big family. So one of six kids, one of his sisters had six kids, you know, family gatherings were 50 plus people. Now they're 80 plus people. So I just grew up you know this in this really sort of social family and I loved it. Made me a really outgoing person and I think the excitement of having people around and noise and entertainment was something I kind of gravitated towards. So when I was in college, I knew I wanted to somehow get involved in events and that was before events were really sort of a Uh, popular thing as they are now. There wasn't really any sort of degree program or anything like that. So I essentially made up my own major. My school offered a program where you could basically create your own curriculum and do its kind of uh, specialized studies, uh, if you will. And I created my own major based around events. While I was in school, Uh, a cousin of mine. So I went to school with one of my cousins and my other cousin was visiting us and she had this job where she traveled all over the world and ran events, uh, ran corporate events. And I remember hearing about that, you know, as a 20 something year old thinking, okay, I have to have that job. That sounds amazing. And at the time I had never traveled outside of the country, except for Canada, and Mexico. So um, for me, that sounded really exciting. I grew up, you know, in the Midwest. So that sounded like, okay, I got to figure out how I'm going to make that my job. I decided um, my senior year, I was going to study abroad. And I actually um, did a program um, my summer semester after my senior year. So technically, I went through graduation, but I finished all of my classes abroad that summer um, in Florence, Italy, and that was, like I said, my first experience really out of the country, and you know, it's so cliche, everyone, oh, I studied abroad, and blah, 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 but for me, that was opening my eyes to, you know, another language, and um, my dad's side of the family is Italian, so I was really intrigued by the food, and the culture, and, and everything, and I was Minoring in art history. So I got to see everything in person that I had learned about in school, and, you know, just the food and the wine. And, you know, how can you not fall in love with all of that? So once I had a taste of that, I was really adamant that, okay, I got to find a job in travel because this just kind of sparked my curiosity even more. After college, I moved to Chicago. I got a job in events at Loyola University. And I was basically waiting for my cousin's company to be hiring so I could apply for that travel job. And uh, they were, eventually, this was, I wanna say 2008. And I applied and got hired, except then was (laughs) that major economic downfall of 2008. So I got hired, got all prepared to move to start this job, and then they called me back to say, hey, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to bring you on because all travel is stopping. So this is really weird. This is really reminiscent of that time because I got so excited for something, got all ramped up for this dream job, and then it was just pulled out from under me. So I stuck around in Chicago for a couple of years, and then in 2010, they called me back and said, hey, things are looking up again, you know, are you interested in, in coming back to, to interview again and potentially, you know, take take this opportunity? So 2010, I, I took that job, and, you know, it was the beginning of sort of my Um, career in travel and um, just kind of sparked everything from there. So that really was the beginning of my journey in the travel industry. What I did essentially was corporate events, um, anything from business meetings to um, trade shows, car shows, huge Conventions and then things smaller like an executive meeting or incentive programs. Those were my favorite because those were the fun ones. There was no meetings involved. That was pure, you know, whining and dining, and they were rewards trips for uh, clients, employees, or clients' clients. And I did that. Traveled upwards of 300 days a year. The crazy thing about that is you only got your schedule one month in advance. So you know, it's February now. I would get my schedule on March 1st for, I would get my schedule, let's say February 1st for the month of March. You only got your schedule one month in advance and they could say, Hey, you're going here for a week here for a week, or you're going somewhere for 10 weeks. You'd never know. So it was really exciting. I was in my, you know, early mid twenties and every month it was kind of luck of the draw. Where are you going and for how long? And who are you traveling with? And um, so it was really exciting time in my life and got to see the world, but it was a lot of hard work as well. It wasn't all glamorous. It was exhausting and you had no personal life and couldn't plan anything because you were basically kind of at the mercy of uh, the schedule and things could change requesting time off. You weren't really allowed to do. So you had this awesome job, but then you had to make a lot of sacrifices. So that was really kind of my journey into the travel world. And I did that for um, almost four years full time before making a change. So that's how I got started.
2: So, so you've got this, what from the surface looks like a dream job, you're traveling all over the world, seeing awesome things. And then on the backside of that, it's hard. And it's not as glamorous as it looks like. So I own a brewery and that's also a a glamorous position from the outside. You know, I, people tell me how cool it is all the time that I own a brewery, but really it's just like a bunch of paperwork. So what uh what 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 did you hear from people about how you know, you have this awesome job, but really there are downfalls to it too. What what were some stuff that you were hearing from people, just friends and family and
1: Yeah, I think everybody was always amazed because it's I mean think about now with social media, I think social media was really just at the very beginning stages when I started that job. I don't even know. um, I mean, Facebook existed. I don't, I think Instagram maybe existed. No one knew about it, but it was one of those things where from the outside, you can make it look pretty and exciting. Nobody wants to talk about all the hard stuff that um, happens behind the scenes because that's not, Fun to share. Nobody wants to, you know, really hear about that. But probably some of my friends and family were maybe a little frustrated. I missed weddings. I missed graduations. I missed a lot of important things um, in people's lives. And as much as that pains me, and things that I wanted to be there for, it was a sacrifice um, that I had to make to to hold on to this job. And Beyond the great perks, it was tough. I, I would work, I'm not exaggerating. There were days you'd work 15-hour days. I, I My specialty was managing food and beverage. So I would be up in the morning preparing for breakfast and i would be the last one done at the end of the day if there was a dinner or some sort of after party you're on your feet the whole time i mean if you're in a hot climate you're just sweaty and exhausted there were times i remember falling asleep in the shower and choosing between taking a shower and like getting an extra hour of sleep because you you were doing that and you're doing that for A week straight, let's say, and then you have to go on to the next event and your clients at the next event, they don't care what you did the week before or how exhausted you are because to them, this is their big event. They've been preparing for, for, you know, a year or however long. So they need you to be on a hundred percent. And so that was it. You had to be on. 24/7 a lot of times clients could call you at you know all hours of the night if they need something i mean you were you know a glorified personal assistant at times i mean it looks pretty from the outside when friends see you you know looks like you're jet setting but i'm not on vacation i am working so what people do at home in an office is you know similar to what i'm doing but i'm just doing it maybe in a cool location that's one of the things that, you know, it's, it's hard for people to fully grasp that I'm not just traveling and enjoying myself. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you could be in Hawaii or you could be in Detroit. Wouldn't make a difference because you're not laying at the pool and you're not, you know, going out and seeing the sites you're working and you're taking care of clients and putting out fires behind the scenes that nobody, you know, knows about.
0: That doesn't sound nearly as fun as you made it sound like the <laughs> first time you were talking about it. <laughs> I'm not as
2: intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> so so you have this so you have this what looks like a glamorous job, but really, you know, it's it's hard work and you have to show up whether you want to or not. You have to be on point no matter what. Where do you think that disconnect is between the the what it looks like on the surface and what it actually takes? And how can we how can we start to close that gap?
1: I think it's you know with anything sometimes the the grass is greener. You make a comparison. Oh, okay, you own a brewery. I've actually always thought how fun that would be to own a brewery. I'm just hanging out, drinking beers, you know, socializing with people because you don't think about all of the the stuff that goes on to to get you to that point. So I've often thought about it in the sense that if you've ever gone to an event or banquet you've gone to an award ceremony you've gone to some event in your community whatever it is think about it where you're there at this event are you enjoying the moment and hanging out with your friends or having a good meal listening to music of course are you sitting there thinking about what the servers are doing are you thinking about all of the hours that someone spent organizing the menu, the lighting, the decor, the, you know, staff, the setup, the teardown, you're not thinking about any of that. That's not why you go to an event. You go to an event to enjoy yourself. But I think that's the thing. I started going to events and realizing I would think about everything else going on, knowing what I do for a living. I think about that now when I go to a vet, everything that took place to make it happen. And so, um, I don't know, in terms of closing the gap, I think it's just having a little bit of perspective, you know, that no matter what job someone is doing, it takes a lot of hard work and patience and a lot of probably mistakes and learning lessons and all sorts of stuff to have actually gotten to that place. And, You know, if you get to see someone in, uh, you know, a moment of finally sitting down for you, maybe having a beer and socializing with your clients or for me to be able to actually sit back and partake in an event that I'm finally relaxed after all the hard work that it took to get to that point. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Beer festivals is that for me, everybody tells me how awesome it must be to just go to beer festivals all summer and really like a four hour beer festival where 5,000 people are just having fun drinking. That's a 12 hour day for me set up and tear down. And, you know, all of the things that go into a beer festival from a vendor's perspective and the, the people attending that festival get to see the four hours where the, the taps are flowing, you know? And so, so yeah, that it's a, it's a great comparison of, of, Like I think people really think that I sit around and just drink beer all the time and like hang out (laughs) and that's just, it's, it's, it's true. That's what I do. So, (laughs) (laughs) But no, for real though, like I was on zoom all day today, just in meetings. Like that's really what it takes to keep a brewery running those kinds of things. It's not the beer fest. It's not the releases, you know, it's not. It's not the Friday night where everybody's having a good time. It's all the stuff that happens when we're closed and, when nobody sees what's going on. So yeah, that's an interesting uh, comparison to being a a travel guide.
1: (laughs) Well, and I'm sure, you know, for you, all of the work that you did to even lead up to being able to open a brewery and the research and educating yourself and learning and networking and all the things that you had to do. I mean, I think it's easy to look at someone that has a business that they own or run or uh, you know a great position but have no idea how they actually got there.
2: Yep, takes years.
1: Absolutely.
0: So you're working in this job for 4 years. You're you've given us the good, the bad, the ugly. Love it. That's what people want to know, right? Especially if you're thinking like, oh, that sounds like a fun job. Here's here's what you really want to know about it. What was the the genesis though because you said you've been thinking about Bloom for a while? What was the thing that allowed you, or forced you, or whatever it was, to pull the trigger on that?
1: Well, so after I did that travel job, which was, as I said, it could have be upwards of three hundred days a year and and long days, and I I felt like I was really sort of I don't want to say having a breakdown, but having a little bit of an internal crisis thinking.
0: You can uh, say breakdown on this show. It's okay. <laughs> we have them all the time.
1: <laughs> well, it's, you know, I think for anyone that, you know, that has done that job, it's really interesting because there's either, you know, to be full time. So I did that full time for almost four years. There's also people that do that on a contract basis where, they can kind of make their own schedule and take one trip here and wait a couple months, take another one. However they want to do it, That that's a little bit more flexibility. But for anyone that does that full-time, the lifespan of that job, a lot of people after a year or two throw in the towel because it is constantly being on the road. And really it, it is exhausting and um, you don't really have a life at home. So I pushed that a little bit further and did about four years. And at that point I was in my late twenties and I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do after that because I felt like, okay, I've really, you know, I sort of hit the jackpot with this job in terms of doing events and travel, but what do I do after this? So I really was unsure of what my path was. And I made a decision that I was quitting before I had anything else lined up because I was just totally burnt out. I felt like I was getting, you know, real edgy. I wasn't, you know, this version of myself that I wanted to be. I just felt kind of, I don't want to say angry all the time, but I just felt, I don't know. I just... I felt on edge, I felt unhappy and I needed a break. So I quit before having anything else lined up. I bought a one-way ticket to Maui and I essentially moved to Maui (laughs) for um, basically a sabbatical to figure out what I was gonna do with myself. And I chose Maui because on one of my work trips, I was there for a two month period and I just absolutely fell in love with it in terms of, I've just felt sort of like my authentic self there. It just brought me to this place of calm that I hadn't felt really anywhere else. And so it kind of felt like my center. I felt as if I'm going to go there and really figure out what's next for me. Um, And that felt like the place to do it. It was sort of isolated. I have a good friend on a different island. But when I went to Maui, I went there literally on my own, didn't know anybody, didn't really have a plan. So I wouldn't necessarily say that's the smartest thing to do, but that's what I did. So I was there and an opportunity presented itself to me while I was there, you know, after I'd been there a couple months and this company had found me from LinkedIn. And they were really interested in bringing me on board uh, with their company, but they weren't ready uh, to bring me on board just yet. So we were just really sort of talking. But their stipulation was that I couldn't live in Hawaii, because that was too far. And they're based in Texas. For me, I knew I I am not a Texas girl. So, you know, I had to figure out how this is going to work out. And so they had offered me the opportunity to work for them, but not Hawaii. And I said, not Texas. So they really asked me where, where I would go. And Colorado was sort of that second place besides Hawaii that really, every time I was there, I felt this sense of calm, this sort of sense of authenticity uh, within myself. And so they agreed to let me live in Colorado and work remotely. So that's how I got myself to Colorado. With them, I worked for them for, I think between five or six years. And I was back in the corporate travel world, but essentially doing, um, it's strictly incentive travel. So taking groups on reward trips. And again, back in that sort of what looked glamorous and don't get me wrong, we got to go to some fabulous places and um, do some amazing things. But I did all sorts of things in that job beyond just executing these events. I did all the planning. I mean, it it was the job that I had done previously, but on a completely different scale in terms of responsibilities. And I loved it and then 5 years 6 years down the road i was you know thinking what is my next step what is my next move another opportunity in the travel industry presented itself to me and i took that role which was basically sourcing and it was then that i stopped traveling so much and that was more of a still in the industry but at home in front of a computer. And I just started thinking, you know, I know this industry, I have been in this industry from pretty much all of my career, but I'm not feeling fulfilled at this point. And I had felt that way throughout my whole career, I would say, again, having these great experiences and opportunities that I certainly never would have been able to do on my own. But at the same time, something always felt like it was missing. And I would have these conversations with some of my other colleagues that, wow, this is great for the perks, but I don't feel like what I'm doing is actually I don't know, bettering society, doing anything to help anyone, which was something that felt really important to me. And, you know, a lot of the people that went on these trips were wealthy people or people that, you know, won these trips every year, they'd seen a bunch of things. So every year it was trying to impress people that already have everything or have done everything or seen everything. So don't get me wrong. It's not as though they weren't grateful um, and, and gracious for these trips, but it still felt to me that, okay, <laughs> to be frank, can I, I, I wanna do something that helps people that maybe don't have these opportunities or take someone on a trip that has never been on a trip before or has never been on a trip out of the country. Or I wanted to just do something that benefited people of a different demographic. So that's sort of when I started tossing around different ideas in my head about, okay, what could I do with my experience? I talked to a few different friends or mentors about some different ideas and they would go around in my head for months at a time. And I would jump from one idea to another and nothing ever really stuck. But I knew a general concept of what I was looking towards, figuring out how to utilize my experience, my skills, my background, and put that to a good use, um, doing something that I felt gave back in some way. It wasn't until this current job that I was in and I was pregnant before my little girl was born and I was kind of thinking, okay, the job that I'm in now, it's not, this is not what I picture myself doing. Um, And especially, you know, being pregnant, having a little girl, I kept thinking, I wanna have a job. I wanna do something that someday I can show her hey this is this is what I've done this is what I work towards I want her to be proud of me I want her to see something that I've done that you know she could admire and and um, that I feel good about sharing with her. So I really felt like I needed to make a change and so after she was born after you know I was on maternity leave I just felt like, you know, I was going to take some time, spend some time with her and really sort of develop this idea. I got into a pretty tough place juggling being a brand new mom and figuring out what is my identity beyond everything that I have already done before. What's interesting, um, you know, I have a lot of friends in other countries just that I've made throughout my career. And I feel as though in the US, people are quick to ask you, what do you do? And you're identified by kind of what your job is as opposed to who you really are. And I don't know that that translates across every country, every other place in the world. Is that the first question someone asks, what do you do? So that simply, you know, you are what your job is. I don't know, I just thought about all of those things and was trying to figure out really what I want, where, what direction I wanted to go. And so it took, I don't know, a lot of trial and error, a lot of conversations and you know, definitely was not sure of myself and I, I put it off. Honestly, I think the idea itself Uh, the initial idea for years, I juggled, I juggled the idea in my head. I, I gave up on it. I think a number of times just thinking, I can't do this. How am I, how am I going to do this? Until finally something just sort of like snapped in my head. And I just had this feeling like, okay, I can't sit around and wait for something to happen for me, wait for something to, you know, present itself. I need to make it happen for myself. I don't want it to happen to me. I need to make it happen. So I just kind of got this fire and within focusing on it for, you know, solely on this idea for a week or two, I had basically put it all in motion. So it was like, once I was set on it, I just took it and ran. That was in February when I finally decided to launch. But trust me, there was years, years, years that took me to get to that point.
2: I want to go back a little, I heard a lot of pattern in that story of you moved to Maui because you felt this sense of calm there. And so that was an intentional move. And then this company calls you And you feel that Colorado gives you that same sense of calm. And then years down the road, you're pregnant, you have a baby on the way, and you feel this sense of, I need to take some time off. I need to take a break to really get this relationship with my brand new child off the ground. Is that something you've always had, just being able to sense that, the, the calm in that and if it's not, is it a skill that we can learn? I think it's just important that you are able to feel those things and then act upon them. Is that something that just like you're good at or is that something that can be learned?
1: No, I think that's definitely something that I'm trying to think of the point when, when that really happened for me, but I think growing up and through high school and college, I think there was a side of me that was really sort of high strung, not in a sense of perfectionism so much, but it was, I don't know, I think it was always jumping from one thing to the next, being really, I don't know, fixated on certain things, you know, obsessed almost with a particular thing. And I have, I've always had anxiety. That's something that runs in my family. I've had it my whole life. I get, um, you know, things snowball for me. So again, like fixating on maybe a little mistake or something, and that snowballs into 10 different really end of the world scenarios. That's, I guess, how best to explain that made me high strung. I would get, it's just anxiety that, that made me probably a bit on edge and not as relaxed of a person as I wanted to be. And I think it was probably through that job um, where I was traveling all the time that I really got to a breaking point where I would, there were a number of times that I would actually go back to my hotel room and break down in tears because I was so, Worried about something so silly. You know, we were not curing diseases, we were not changing the world, we're running an event. But the people, it's a very high, high emotion, high anxiety, high stress, fast paced job. And you're dealing with, I mean, high level executives in a lot of these companies, and these are big. Very well-known, very um, successful companies that are clients. I mean, worldwide companies and um, you know Fortune clients and things of that nature. And everyone there was on on all sides, client side, the company I worked for and the people I worked with. Everybody you know was trying to prove themselves and put out fires. And it was just it felt like drama. It felt so. I guess toxic in a way because it just felt like you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and everything feels like the end of the world if something goes wrong um if one one little mistake happens you just feel like your job's on the line I don't know it was it was so stressful to me that I would go back to my room sometimes after like a really stressful event and I would cry probably partially out of pure exhaustion but also out of this um, feeling, this weight of, okay, why am I putting so much pressure on myself over something that people are gonna forget about in a week or two from now or even tomorrow? And it just made me feel like this version of myself that I didn't want to be. And I think for me, that was probably the breaking point where I told myself for my own mental health, okay, you need to take a step back from this and really evaluate what is important here. These are not end of the world scenarios. And I think it was was through that, I think I came to the decision that I need to separate myself from this and take a break and figure out me. And that was when I decided on that trip to Maui. And I think that was really the turning point for me in my life where I decided to take control of my own mental well-being, my own mental health, that I need to recognize when something is getting too out of control for me to feel this, this being this version of myself. So I think that is really where it stemmed from. And, you know, moving forward, I don't, I guess I just grew grew into that as as a person growing through experience and over time and getting to know myself better um, knowing to set boundaries for myself and when to take a step back and evaluate what's really important in the moment. So it's not something that, that I've always had, it was learned and it was something that I've developed and I still struggle with learning how to manage, but I think it's just, I learned to be more self-aware and, and, um, from that I have taught myself to set some boundaries, whether it's work related in my personal life, just all across the board.
0: That self-awareness is something that we touch on with a lot of our guests and how that self-awareness evolves through those, those stepping stones that you mentioned, those trials and tribulations at different points in your life. And I love the fact that you take time off to get that calm, get that peace, to kind of reconnect with, okay, where am I? What do I like? What do I not like? Let's take this to the next step, whatever that needs to be. That self-awareness from the first kind of career shift to going into bloom and COVID happening, what were some of those self-awareness things that you were able to grab a hold of and leverage the skills that maybe weren't there the first time you were going through that growth experience of trying to refigure out your path?
1: Well, I I hope I'm going to answer your question. So let me know if I don't answer it with this, but I think something that I've talked to a few friends, I have a a couple of friends in my circle that are people that I feel are really like-minded and understand me and have sort of mentored me through building up the confidence to be able to move forward with this and self-awareness is one thing, but I think I think a lot of people struggle with, and something I struggle, struggled with was this imposter syndrome sort of thing. And I've had this discussion with one of my friends um, who also, you know, she's extremely successful and has done so many amazing things, but, you know, she struggles with this as well. And it kind of blows my mind because I look at her and I think, how could you possibly feel that way look at all the amazing things that you have done and she could turn around and say the same thing to me and I think it's um I think it's something built into a lot of people is you know not being certain that you can live up to what you think people think of you or expect from you and you know wondering if you can actually you know do the things that you plan to do or say you're going to do or set yourself up to do and so i i know that i have all of the skills and abilities and expertise to to make something like what i want to do happen but then i have all these moments of doubt can i really do this do i really know what i'm doing who's going to listen to me or look to me as someone that can do this you know it's a lot of doubting yourself and i realize in terms of this self awareness that that you're asking about you know i know i can do it and if i just go ahead and take that step that is going to fall into place and to stop doubting myself and be confident in what I know instead of consistently letting it run around in my head that I can't do it. Cause then I'll just end up in this vicious cycle of building myself up and tearing myself down. But I realized it was time to take that step. I've been building up to it for years and I felt like I was ready. I think something just made me feel like now is the time that I'm going to do this and I can do it. And I didn't have any doubts once I told myself just to move forward. It was just like a invisible hurdle I had to personally step over. But once I did, it was like full force ahead. I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah,
2: you, you nailed it. That was good. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is a common theme we hear. I actually wrote, wrote myself a note because I think this is important. Everyone's an imposter. Absolutely. Yeah. Everyone's an imposter. And that's a great point. And that imposter syndrome, it it always, I think stems from a a fear of failure and a fear of the unknown. And if you're doing big things and if you're getting outside of your box and outside your comfort zone, you're going to have those fears. Because there is the unknown, you don't know what it's going to be like, and you know COVID might happen. (laughs) Like, there's no way to know all the things. But so, how how do you have some systems in your life to combat that? Like, is that something you come up on every time you start to make a big decision again, or have you put some boundaries in that area, in place in your life where you can see like this is going to be a big decision? I know this is going to feel uncomfortable. I know it's going to be scary. Uh, Is there a way that you have put action to those moments?
1: Well, I think number one, um, having a good support system is for me, I mean, that's huge. Having not only people around me that support me and whatever I do and build me up, but people that really understand who I am, where I'm coming from and what I wanna do good to have your, your hype people, you know, to, to kind of let you know, absolutely. You can do this when you doubt yourself. So
0: everyone needs a Flava Flav in their life. That's what she just said. Everyone.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Um, no. And I feel so lucky that I have a number of people that are that for me, you know, I think again, it's just I don't know, we all go through seasons in our, in our life. And maybe it's at a certain point, I'm really into yoga. So maybe doing yoga centers me and that sort of gives me the the moments that, you know, meditate on what decisions I have to make. And that's, what's going to bring me clarity or I'm really into hiking and camping and I need to go out and be in the wilderness and, you know, have, you know, my answer come to me that way. I think, I guess I'm pretty introspective in a lot of ways. And as much as I'm a social person, I think I've realized, especially in the last couple years, that I do really appreciate, especially now with two little kids, I appreciate some quiet time to be able to hear my own thoughts. So, you know, in terms of systems in place, it's, I think it's just depending on the season of life that I'm in, what inspires me in that moment in time, what kind of gives me the positive feelings that I need to help me make a decision. I think it's also for me, it's like a gut thing. I guess it's really, I don't know, I sort of trust myself and my body to tell me when something feels right or wrong. I don't know if that sounds silly, but that's just I kind of trust my myself in that way.
2: Oh, absolutely! I think the gut feeling is the best indicator if uh, of what's going on in your life. Let's go. Can we go back to the support system? How how do you how did you create your support system? How do you decide who is in it?
1: Um, I think that is another thing that goes back to seasons in your life. There's certainly people that. Are either family members or really old friends that have known me for a long time, that they know not only the me that I am now, but the me that I was back when you're a kid and you're not as heavily influenced by adult responsibility and everything that you've seen and done, that you're just sort of this innocent kid and you're at your pure form. So there's people that I trust for their guidance that really see me in that way, that that version of me that is still maybe that innocent kid, that core core part of me that hasn't changed. I think then there's people that I look to in terms of who I admire, who I um, whether it's a mentor Colleague, um, from a business standpoint, or someone I admire in terms of life experience, maybe you know something that they've gone through, or who they are as a person, or or what sort of drives them. I think that's really important. I think surrounding yourself by people that you look up to and admire that that to me is huge because those are people that sort of push me to go beyond the limit that I would maybe think was possible for myself. So it's it's definitely, you know, people that will challenge me, people that will tell me the honest truth. Um, you know, it's, it's different people for different things, if that makes sense.
0: I th- think that's even important. I think the thing you said about the seasons of your life in both those contexts was, is brilliant, because that's something that we've I, it's been a big part of my life is every time I go through those phases, friend circles tend to change and they help They help you evolve, they support you. And at some point you just, it feels dirty to say, but you outgrow some people. And that doesn't mean they can't come back in full circle. Like at one point, Travis outgrew me leaps and bounds and I'm finally catching back up to where we can be friends again. <laughs> but, <laughs> so I love that you're intentional with that. Talk to me. I'm looking at your beautiful website. It's warm. It's calm. It's inviting. What makes you bloom?
1: Well, you're just throwing that right back at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, a great question because that's sort of the question that I am asking of anyone that wants to come on a retreat is, is what would make them bloom. But for me, I guess at this point, point in my life is especially after COVID we have to figure out what it is that we truly value what's important because this past year you have very little interaction in a in a in-person setting with people I think it kind of goes back to this sort of I don't know old time where you are spending time at home with your family and not doing the things where, that we've all been used to doing in modern times. And so I think it's helped me reflect on what I value, which is certainly friends and family, but also figuring out moving forward from when COVID is over and we can get back to regular life. What do I wanna leave behind that was maybe in my life pre-COVID and what do I wanna bring with me into my post-COVID life? And for me, it's all about quality of, of my life and my relationships with people and things that bring me that calm, that peace it comes back to for me, simplicity is what I want to, um, is what I think at this point in my life makes me bloom, and the simplicity of being surrounded by family and friends, positive, like minded people, and just valuing everyday simple things.
2: So you ask, and I noticed on your website specifically, you're gearing these retreats toward women. Is there a reason for that?
1: So I guess I didn't really fully touch base on my whole reason behind Bloom, but leaving behind, you know, these corporate events, I wanted to do something, as I had mentioned previously, is, is, that feels beneficial to helping other people, to doing something good, And I want to say that living in Denver, um, I lived in Denver for seven years. That was sort of a really beautiful time in my life because I felt like I moved to this new place where I didn't really know anybody. And I was able to build this amazing community of people, not just one group of friends, but different friends from different pockets and and different areas of my life, basically from starting from scratch. And I think being in your thirties and moving somewhere completely new and, and starting from scratch and meeting people and making friends can be a really daunting task, a really daunting thought. And it's scary for a lot of people. And I learned just through talking to people as I was meeting people and, and building friendships that I was not the only one feeling that way, that so many of the friends I made, it was this kind of funny feeling like, almost like you're dating friends. Okay. Does, does she like me? Do you think that, you know, we could hang out again? Do you, um, you know, it's like this really funny sort of feeling like, okay, I, I, I met someone and all right, do I ask if she wants to go for coffee or can I ask if she wants to go for a cocktail? You know, like feeling out these (laughs) friendships and trying to understand as an adult, you're not in college, you you don't have in common that you like to go to the same bar anymore. You wanna figure out what it is that, you know, you connect with people on. And I just, like I said, built this amazing community of all of these just incredible females All of whom were doing such cool things. And, you know, I think I realized through all of these relationships is that everybody is looking for connection and looking for this community. And so I, you know, as I loved obviously doing events, I, and I'm a very social person, I felt like I had this unique skill of connecting people. And so I was able to introduce, you know, a friend that's from one area of my life with a different friend and building these different groups of people that all kind of came together on some sort of common interest. And it was, it it felt so good to me to be able to help form these friendships with another person or help them form A friendship with someone else, or these um, networking—you know, being able to network in terms of business, um, find different opportunities. It just—I don't know—it just gave me life in a way to be able to share these friends with each other, and also meet these people that inspired me when I would hear what they did. You know, whether it was what they did for a living or what they did in their spare time, if they're you know. Competing in Ironman's or whatever it is that they did, that was something for me that made me realize there is a way to do this on a bigger scale. It doesn't have to just be here, you know, in Denver. It could be something that is bigger than that because I have friends all over the place and I know that they also feel that. They would like to make these other connections so that's really kind of where the idea of, of bloom stem from is connecting people and finding whatever that common interest is and then adding another layer to it so each retreat would have a different theme so if there are a group of people interested in something like yoga which is very common get a group of people together that want to do yoga and talk about that. That's pretty typical. But what I wanted to do was something beyond that, have people that are coaches, um, have people that, you know, maybe it's people that have something like I have anxiety and they don't know who to talk to about it because it's taboo. I want to have there be a safe space for people that are want to talk about something, build a community where they feel comfortable to share things that maybe they don't feel comfortable in their own personal life. So it's a place for like-minded women to be able to come together. And I think where you said focusing just on women is also because I think when you sort of mix males and females, It might not feel as much of a safe space. And so I think that's kind of how I, where I wanted to start and how I wanted to start was just building that around females and especially with, you know, a lot of things going on in the world now. Just I'm kind of a feminist in that sense and women empowerment and building up other women. And that's important to me. So,
2: you go, girl. (laughs) yeah so i know covid timing kind of put a damper on doing these retreats what when you start these back up again do you i know you have a plan for it what 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 does it look like to uh inside of these retreats to help these women find what makes them bloom did you develop curriculum what does that look like
1: yeah so you know especially now because i'm a a an newer mom and have kind of had this whole new community of moms um in my life i found this whole other community and so it's finding a specific topic or common ground that is important to people that's on people's mind that that people are interested in so yeah there would be a curriculum i mean the whole point is that everyone Every retreat would be a different journey. For example, a mom retreat, maybe I have, um, you know, I have a couple friends that are coaches that actually focus on moms and building that sort of identity of self versus, you know, finding your your old self versus that mom version of, of yourself, um, kind of figuring out where that, where that lives in, in one person. And so just as an example, so certain retreats would be built around a specific topic like that, um, where there would be workshops, have a speaker, things of that nature have time for you know conversation, but also really the first <laughs> retreat that I have plans for after COVID is a pure relaxation and indulgence because I know everyone is gonna be so sick of being stuck at home and not being around other people that um, I have one planned that is just pure enjoyment of life, really. (laughs) So that's something too, that's important that everyone needs especially after this last year. So yeah, the idea is a different journey for each retreat, certainly opening up the question to my community of what's on your mind in these times? What is something that is a theme in in your life that you want to explore more? And so, you know, in this past year, it could have been something in regard to politics if, if we were doing... Um, retreats last year. If that was something that that a community of women were really interested in exploring, I'm really open to getting feedback from my community on what what they want. That's the point, really, is is to do something that will benefit them. And the hope is that after each retreat, it's not just that moment in time, but that bonds are built that last long past the trip, and it's people well, that can kind of come together after.
2: Those support networks we always all need, huh?
0: This concept is awesome. I lo- love it.
2: Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's so needed. And honestly, I think women are underrepresented in the struggle of life. So I think it's awesome that you're specifically targeting that. And uh, I, I, that's going to make an impact on a lot of women that need it. So applause.
1: Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I, you know, it's, it's something that, um, You know, I feel really fortunate that I had a mom that brought me up to be, you know, a really independent person, but I don't think everyone always has that opportunity. And I think just being there for other females that sort of need that reassurance or uh, a place to feel comfortable and, um, you know, have other people let them know that. They're going through the same thing or they've been there before, you know, it's like a support group, but in a great destination with (laughs) other cool things added in.
0: How are you keeping this, this alive through all this? Because we're not back to travel as normal and have you, haven't, correct me if I'm wrong, you haven't done any events since you kicked this off, correct? So it's always kind of been pushing them back or, or have you?
1: no to be honest you know i started out really thinking that the second half of 2020 we were going to be able to travel and do something so throughout last year i was still working on putting things in place as it kept getting pushed back pushed back i kept canceling things or um putting them off and unfortunately you know i made the decision just to cancel everything, I think I think that's how it was across the board. I think it was for the safety of of myself and my family, as well as the safety of everyone else that wasn't worth it. For this year, I had initially planned to have this kickoff uh, retreat in the fall. That hasn't been completely decided yet whether I'm going to offer that or not. I think, you know, I wanted to be responsible in following what was safe, not only again for myself, but for everyone else. I think there are a lot of people that are traveling, starting to travel now with the vaccine rolling out, but not everyone can. And I don't know if I feel that's the most responsible thing for me to do is put people at risk unnecessarily. So I haven't decided, but in the meantime, I, of course, I'm you know, I have an Instagram and Facebook page and of course my website. And I'll be honest, I've, I haven't done a whole lot with it because not that I haven't done a whole lot with it. Uh, I'm keeping it up, but I haven't really put out any other content. I've thought about the potential of doing, you know, an online retreat. But I think that sort of, for me, takes away a little bit of what I'm about, which is that sort of in-person um, that that intimate, personal aspect of a retreat, I think doing it over Zoom or however else you do it virtually just doesn't seem to make sense is how I want to kick off and, and actually launch. So I think for me right now, I'm, you know, still keeping in touch with people that I have plan to come on board as speakers at my events for different vendors, for destinations. I'm sort of developing ideas for future events, but other than that, I think I'm really going to wait to do the the in-person retreats um, as really the kickoff after COVID.
2: I think that's admirable that you have an opportunity through all this technology to put something out there, and yet you have this standard that You don't want to compromise of the human connection and the in-person piece and the intimacy that that's going to create. And so instead of just throwing something out there, you're willing to wait for the right time and for the right moment to launch that, even though it's going to take longer. And I think that's cool.
1: I think it's just, I've waited so long already to grow the confidence to to launch and then to have my launch be diminished to something that's not even in person in, in a scenario that I can't control, that I can't even fully enjoy or experience would take away everything that I kind of hoped for and was looking forward to. So i waited this long. I guess I can wait a little longer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so well, obviously the title of the podcast being right place right now, It sounds like you have all these awesome skill sets and strengths that you're just leveraging and it's just working out for you. We like to say, oh, you're so lucky. But I know there's gotta be some weaknesses under this in the background here that you're working through either with support, leveraging them out to other people. What are those things that you still have a really hard time with that you're coming across and having to figure out what to do with them? And then what do you do with them?
1: Well, I think staying in touch right now in terms of in touch with what's going on in the world, keeping your finger on the pulse of issues that people are interested in or what's something that people need. I think that's a challenge right now because A, I have a one and a half year old and three month old. So (laughs) I have my hands full with that. But at the same time, it's figuring out in this virtual world how to stay connected to people other than just your initial core, just your, you know, small circle of people that are your, you know, people that you talk to on a regular basis, but being able to have a wider net that you can see what's important to people and and stay relevant and stay on top of things. Because again, at the same time, when I'm finally able to run a retreat, are those things that I'm looking into now and researching now? Are they relevant? Are they going to be relevant then? So, I think it's um, you know coming up with a plan and tactics to to stay on top of those things to be involved in communities virtually and that that can be hard sometimes because there's such a wide world out there on the internet to figure out you know narrow down what the right place is to be gathering this information to the community that you can't see these people and and interact with them except online to figure out you know where you want to follow
0: up. So so what's next for Bloom? Or I know you're still that's kind of a stupid question because you're still trying to get it stood up and running and have your first retreat, but do you have a five year vision for this? Is this the vision for it now? Where are you at in the evolution of Bloom and where it's headed?
1: Oh I mean I definitely have visions. And so I have run a handful of retreats prior to actually launching Bloom. So they necessarily they weren't necessarily under the the bloom umbrella, so to speak, but they were sort of, uh, in a way kind of market research for myself.
0: So you just did these like independently, you just organized a group of people to go to a place and do some stuff.
1: Yeah, I did. Cause I wanted to see, is this something that, um, that people will be receptive to is, and what do people want out of this? And, you know, I wanted to test out some of my ideas of how I wanted it to go and little, you know, personal touches. And so I have done a few, just not quite under the, the bloom umbrella. And of course they were with people that I know and friends. Um, and I got to, you know, get some feedback from them. So that was my kind of starting point. And so certainly my vision down the road, I mean, my hope is that first of all, not only do I get to get this off the ground and have a retreat and and fill a retreat, because I think that's, um, I've actually done a number of webinars during COVID, um, just to further educate myself on, you know, different things that I can be doing and learning for my business and, and in regard to retreats and destinations and things like that. So um, I see that, that there the potential is there for this to be something big, for this to be my dream, something that down the road, I hope that my kids can look at this and see something cool that I started small and became something that um, not as just a little side passion project, but something that sort of become, you know, my whole career at, at this later point in in my life, but um, something that maybe could be passed down to my daughter. I mean, that would be a really more, more than five-year end goal, but I think <laughs> I think what I see is just I want to fill some retreats. I want people to come. I want to see people happy and smiling and enjoying themselves, and I want to see communities built from these. I think one thing that I love is when you introduce friends, you never know, is that just gonna be a one-time thing? Hey, come meet me out, let's have a drink, meet my friend. Or does that blossom into a friendship um, between, you know, two people that otherwise maybe never would have met? And I think that's something that I really kind of hope for as a benefit of these retreats as people come and have a good experience, but then they are able to make these bonds, build a community of their own from this, um, maybe they're going to find their support system. Maybe they're going to find people to be part of their circle to support them in whatever it is, uh, their journey is. I mean, that's really sort of my goal is, um, to help people maybe find that.
0: Yeah. I, I took a little, hiatus in europe similar to your story where i was kind of like in an interchange of in my life and uh found myself I, I went there to teach english originally and that fell apart and i said you know what forget it and i put i literally put everything i had into two boxes and sent it back home and i just operated out of a backpack for a little over 90 days and uh that's something
1: see- a guy can do by the way
0: yeah it, it there was definitely a lot of privilege to that uh Cause it was literally like I would get to a hostel and I would just ask the people where they came from and hear their stories. And that's how I would decide my next stop I because they that. were typically within a train ride. Cause we all converged. But one of the things I noticed is the camaraderie in the community that you're talking about, even in that environment in the hostel environment where we didn't have a specific, we weren't all parents. We didn't all go for yoga. We didn't have a common thing But what was common is we were all looking for some sort of an adventure and that adventure needed to look different for everybody, but we were all kind of open to what, Oh, you think this is cool. Let's go do that. And tomorrow I think this is cool. We'll do that. So what you're building there is phenomenal. And I, I think one of the things that people don't give themselves enough of is getting into those communities and being intentional with those communities. What type of communities are you involved in that, Outside of your regular support system, but things that just kind of fuel you and give you passion or, or fuel whenever you're down.
1: So, I mean, beyond that, you know, I have so many interests and like I said, the, the mom thing is a new thing. So I, I don't want that to define me, but that is a cool new thing that I've found a fun community where I can sort of share some wins and some frustrations with, but, um, I have two rescue dogs. So that is something that is important to me. So there are, uh, I, I have a little community of people that are big into rescue animals and rescues. And so that's something that's really important to me. Also, of course, when I lived in Colorado, hiking and camping and all the outdoorsy stuff, I had, you know, my group of friends, my community that I did that stuff with, um, I have a major food freak so i have my other group of friends that are my food friends that we you know talk about you know different restaurants or awesome meals we had so it's interesting i think in sort of every little aspect of my life i have you know certain friends that i'm talking to about different things and so um you know i think it's cool to also think about transferring that to uh, a retreat setting is you know having these different groups and these different retreats tailored made for those types of interests.
0: I made an assumption there. I was, I was kind of hoping you would say exactly what you said. You have all of these communities around you because it, what I've noticed is people who have that spark. I think Travis had this, you were talking about that. Okay. I'm going to step over that invisible hurdle and move on this. It's always tied back to something that they live naturally. And, like, even if it's not beer specific or specific to, to travel with treats, <laughs> right? Everybody loves that. Everybody loves the travel, right? But you have this life that you've built that's about community. So you found a way to take that into your next transition. And I just, that's inspiring to me. And it's a fun connection.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think just beyond that, like you said, travel, that is what sparked my whole journey. I mean, I think that's defined most of my life is that curiosity with the world and things that, you know, are different from the way that I grew up. That's huge to me actually is that travel aspect. And that's why I wanted to not only incorporate, you know, these support systems, these communities of like-minded females, but that travel aspect. Not just because I had a job doing that, but because that's what really fueled this from the beginning. For me, travel became, it wasn't really just a luxury. It was my curiosity about people and places and things that were different from anything that I'd ever known. Somebody that speaks a different language or eats different food than me, or is a different religion than me, or um, grew up in a, you know, different climate, I mean, anything that's different than my Midwestern upbringing is so fascinating to me. And that's, you know, my curiosity that really kind of sparked this whole journey of my career and what I'm doing now. And so also being able to share that interest with other people, the travel aspect um, is so important to me because I want to make it accessible for other people. It doesn't have to be all high-end luxury. I want it to be something that people have the opportunity to do it on multiple different levels, on multiple different scales, and and really experience something different and unique and interesting to them. And, you know, it, it adds perspective to me. I'm so grateful for that opportunity because I think seeing something outside of the bubble that we sort of live in here in the U.S. because we're not really close to other countries except Canada and Mexico and our states are so big that a lot of people don't really have the opportunity to um, grow up speaking another language or experiencing things that other countries have that um ability i think that is something i want to be able to share and that perspective of of seeing into someone else's life or their experience i think is so important as well just to help it helped me grow as a person and i you know think that that could really benefit other people as well that haven't had the opportunity
0: i want to talk to you about motherhood two babies in two years this is a new development is that right two in two years
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Two hundred <laughs> you only had 90 days or so since the last one. How does that evolve what you're doing with bloom and obviously your community? We've talked about all that, but kind of the behind the scenes day to day, how are you navigating these two new people that you brought into your life and you have, I would say is probably some responsibility for, right? Is that fair? <laughs>
1: yes, a little bit. <laughs> um, it's a lot. It's a lot, man. It is a lot. <laughs> I, I said to a couple of my friends, um, who had kids years ago, um, why didn't you tell me this? Or, you know, something will happen. I said, why, why, why didn't you share that with me? And one of my friends said, because then we never would have had them. <laughs> he was joking, of course, but, um, you know, it was he,
2: was he (laughs) let's be real here
1: (laughs) no so it's um no I mean of course it's wonderful but it is exhausting and it is challenging and I've got a toddler who is already a very independent sassy girl which has my hand, I've got my hands full with her and then an almost three month old. So navigating that and trying to work and and have enough mental capacity after being completely exhausted to be able to develop thoughts and actually speak full sentences, that has been a challenge, but it's actually really motivating. Um, I will say the first, you know, couple, the first month and a half, to two months of, of having two was really hard. <laughs> but I'm now at a point where I'm just anxious to be able to, beyond the COVID stuff, um, just normalcy of not being pregnant and um, <laughs> you know having like my own body back and being able to find the time Um, it's it's really motivating. So if I get them both down to nap, I know I have at least an hour, hopefully, to pump out some work. You know, you find ways to work really quickly and get hopefully a lot done in a short amount of time, I guess, while they're napping. So can't do anything when they're awake, really. But um, I've been working you know, at night. And I think there are nights that I'm awake with the baby that my mind's kind of running and I'm just developing, you know, ideas and it changes you in a way that you also kind of focus on figuring out what those important takeaways are, um, what you really want to focus on. And, And so it's kind of helping me also develop ideas of, you know, topics and and subjects to focus on, on retreats that I think are beneficial, that, that matter.
2: It's a motivated mom right here. Nap time is an hour to work, not to rest also. <laughs>
0: right.
1: If I took a nap, I'd never wake up. It's one of those, if you take a nap, you're out for the count. Those short naps, they don't help.
0: <laughs> Back to that self-awareness we talked about earlier. <laughs>
1: it's been an interesting journey for sure. it is but I think it uh I don't know it's it's weird I I feel like the last two years have been I don't know haven't been my own for the most part and now that they're here and I can kind of compartmentalize what I need to do I feel like I'm really anxious to get that version of myself and and my priorities um in regard to career and bloom back up and running of course they are a big focus a major the most major focus of mine but I also have this desire to not lose that other side of me that existed my whole life prior to these last two years you know I I don't want to lose that part of my identity and um, that part of my desire to to create
0: I don't think you're supposed to say stuff like that when you're a new mom. I think you're supposed to say, no, I'm just going to strip myself of who I am and live for these kids and the old me is gone, right? Isn't that what happens? Yeah, that's what moms do, <laughs> right? I, I love that you're not giving into that narrative because because I think it's important and that's why we're, we're doing the show is we want people like you to share stories like that because you don't have to fall in line and be a traditional mom from the you know, post-war era of the U S where your job was to stay home. You have an identity, you have things you want, things you aspire to be. You can still do that and be a mom. It might be hard. You might have to work instead of taking a nap, but you have a good support system. It's possible and you're making it work. And we just want to appreciate that and share that with other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that just to point out, I'm being real and, and how I feel about me and my personal life and no judgment on someone else that feels differently. But I think that's also the point of what I want to accomplish with Bloom is I don't want people to shy away from being their true self. And I have a place where they can say something that might not be the popular opinion. I think more or less now, most women that I know that have kids are on the same page as me, that it's not like, old times that it's very um, possible and doable and desirable to be a mom, but to also have a career. But that's kind of the point is to have a place where you can be honest and truthful and have other people that agree with you, like-minded people sharing those ideas. And, um, you know, it's a a safe place to, to share that and be around other people that feel the same way. And there's no judgment. I don't, you know, not a place of judgment, a place of open-mindedness. That's, you know, the most important.
0: And people that are going through the same crap. And that's one of the things that we, it's so empowering to realize that you're not in this alone and that's a huge paradigm that's shifting and you're giving people the opportunity to come together and say hey look this is a struggle it's hard it's real life it sucks but we got through it we'll help you get through it hell yeah Yeah,
2: just that ability to say me too yeah
1: no I love what you guys are doing because I think it's really important I think there are people that are feeling something that are afraid to say what they're going through by you know, potentially looking weak or by looking different than other people perceive them. But I think by you guys having people share their stories, knowing that they're, they're not alone, your listeners can experience something that they find hopefully common ground with someone. But I think for you guys to put these stories out there and share all of this is, is Awesome.
0: Thank you. What would you offer to somebody that's in that space right now that's having a hard time finding their voice, not sure where to start, has a lot of doubt, a lot of uncertainty, lacks that confidence that you talked about earlier. Now's a really it feels like a really heavy time because of all the stuff that's going on, but it's also a great opportunity because everybody's kind of starting from scratch. What do you offer somebody or what advice can you give to somebody that's in that space that they want movement? They're tired of the situation, but they're just not sure how to get going.
1: Not sure how to get going. I mean, I think that's, I think that's the struggle that most people have is being afraid to start, but you know, if you don't start, you can never know what would happen. And I think I, I heard someone say once that imperfect action is at least action and it's a step forward. And so for the longest time, I was felt like I had to have all my pieces in place to be able to launch. I felt like, okay, I got to have my logo perfect. I got to have my website perfect. I got to have all of these pieces in place and everything had to be perfect before I could actually put it out there to the world. And then I talked to some mentors and people that have done things before me, and they said, no, you just have to start somewhere and and then you can adjust things as you go on. And so I think it's just taking that first imperfect step. And I think once you do that, you've already got this momentum going and you feel a little bit more invested in what you're doing because you've already kind of put yourself out there a little bit, whether it's publicly or whether it's in your own mind. And once you make that first first step, I think, is the scariest. Once you do that, though, you feel, I felt committed to whatever I was doing. I took a step, okay, I can't go back now, I'm going to see this through. And even if you see it through, and you kind of have some missteps along the way, you can always recover from that. And you can always, you know, change your direction, especially in times like these, you never know what what's going to happen and you're going to have to kind of move into a different plan than you originally hoped for. But I think it's just taking that first imperfect action and, um, and the rest hopefully should follow. I mean, it's worth it.
0: It's worth it. Travis, you have anything else or is that a good place? I think that's a good place to stop. Just take that first step. Like that first step, that's the practical advice. Liz, where can people find you, find Bloom, reach out to you, find a retreat?
1: So um, my website is uh, bloom-retreats.com. And that's where once we have um, retreats that we're going to be offering, all that information will be on there. You can follow me at bloom-retreats on Instagram. And we have a Facebook page as well, all linked on there and on my website. And um, all my contact information is in there. In addition to doing organized retreats, I also offer custom retreats. So certainly during COVID times, I do have some clients that are planning retreats within their own little communities or with their families so that they feel safe with the people that they know traveling. So that's an option too, before we start operating um, our group trips, but. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Travis, I think we're ready to start our uh, self-discovery retreat. We've got some connections now to start building this. <laughs> now,
1: my customer retreats don't have to be all women. So, feel free to But thank you guys so much for having me. It was, it was great. Um, Where's your brewery, by the way?
2: Uh, I'm in Colorado Springs.
1: Okay. Well, next time I'm back in town, I'm going to have to check it out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being open and being transparent. I, it's so important and it's so relatable. And we just appreciate appreciate you coming on and sharing that with everyone.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. And Brandon, I will have to hear what's going on with you guys. If you end back up in Chicago, you got to let me know.
0: Yes, we'll touch up
1: sounds good. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for being with us. Thanks Liz. All right. Take care.